We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is your host, Mike Slatman. I am honored to I have been, a, and still am, a past president of the International <laughs> Association of Arson Investigators. Uh, I am uh, an expert in fire investigations and um, have been practicing for over 45 years. And this is Donna Ingram. I have 31 years in fire and fraud. I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And welcome to Speaking of Fire. We have a very special guest today. I'm really excited about it. And it happens to be my co-host, Mike Schlappman. We do. Uh, we have had a many prestigious guests on our show and have overlooked for over a year uh, one of the best of the best, and that is Mike himself. So we're going to spend some time today and glean off of his knowledge and learn a little bit about him, his background, and, and get some tips on uh, fire investigation. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thank you, Mrs. Co-host, um, Ms. Co-host. I, thank you for this, and, and we're doing this show because um, uh, I wanted to show, I, and, and Donna's idea, actually, was her, her idea, that we want to show how people can get into um, this field from, uh, from shall we say, um, str- uh, humble beginnings and then work their way up uh, into leadership roles. And so I, I guess I'll, uh, Ms. Interviewee and Ms. Interviewer, <laughs> can you uh, interview me, please? Yeah, this is probably one of the harder ones because uh, <laughs> not only am I a co-host and interviewer, I also, he's my boss, so I'm going to be careful with what I ask here. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe the opposite. I might ask some things that I want to know. Uh, One thing, but let's just start from the beginning. That's what they say here in Kansas. It's always best to start at the beginning and Mm. and tell everybody uh, what your career path was. What's your background, Mike? How did you get into fire investigation and what's what's your passion here? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it really starts really like anyone else. It, it starts in your, your socialization. It's how you were, how you were brought up. Um, I come from a, a, a poor family uh, in, in, in a ghetto in North St. Louis. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, nobody in our area was uh, expected uh, to, to go anywhere or, or, or be anything other than if they got a good job and they, maybe they worked at the Chevy plant or, or maybe they got a good warehousing job and, and something like that. And so, um, and of course, my, I, I really got lucky because I had a, I had a mother that was a very, um, um, well, she would push me to read. And she pushed me to read, and, and I watched all kinds of television too as a, as a small child. And, and I, uh, I really, she wanted me to read a lot. And and I had an uncle that was in the Air Force, and and he uh, he encouraged me to you know when I grow up I can go into the Air Force and do some you know and, and become become somebody. That's because uh, in our uh, we didn't have high aspirations, and so mm-hmm. um, so we lived in a, a, pl- a nice roach infested. Uh, uh, 
buildings and usually with around my grandmother somewhere who was a good influence on me she again she had been a school teacher uh, and it was really unusual because uh, she came from Ken- uh, Kentucky and uh, women when she was growing up she was born in 1899 uh, were not uh, usually educated very much and she became a school teacher and uh, in a one-room school and so she encouraged me uh, also so of course with all this encouragement uh, I, I grew up and, uh, and, and, quit, and, of course, quit high school, naturally. Uh, that's a real and bright thing to do. And uh, went to work driving a truck. Uh, this is one of the things you do. You go to, you go to, you go to work. And, um, and so, and along came Vietnam. And when Vietnam came along, the only good thing about, actually, Vietnam in the world was it got me out of the ghetto. And... Uh, so I try, I had already tried to get in the Air Force, but I didn't have a I didn't have a high school education. So when Vietnam came along and the Bay of Tonkin, um, they were taking anybody with a pulse and 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 uh, some enthusiasm, and that's why I got into um, out into the Air Force. Now, in that stage, um, I became an air policeman. That's what they used to call it then. It's now their security. But at that time, they were air police. And so it gave me a skill. Now, they gave the skill to the guy that used to run around and we used to throw rocks at police cars. Okay. I mean, that's oh, wow. how smart we were. And uh, we used to walk this one block. We had a block and it was our turf. There was three of us, you know, the three musketeers. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, so we got stopped one time. And, and my mother, as I said, she was, she was pushed me a, a lot. And she also was... A converted Catholic, so I used to carry things like rosaries and and uh, and scapulas I wore around my neck and stuff, uh, even when we were out doing things like throwing rocks at police cars. And so one time, I guess there was a shooting down the street, and we got uh, put up by a policeman up against the wall, and they sh- shook us down, and and they, he said, "What's that in your pocket?" And he pulled it out, and I said, "It's a rosary, officer." It's <laughs> time. He- Shut up and get out of here, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so, so anyway, I got into the air police and, uh, and, and uh, volunteered to go to Vietnam, of course. So naturally, they sent me to Berlin, <laughs> so Germany, sent me to Berlin for a couple of years. I'm, I want to tell you that there's nothing good about walls, people. There's nothing good about walls. I lived inside uh, for two years, I lived inside a wall uh, with people shooting people trying to get in to where I was. They, uh, the Russians uh, and the East Germans used to shoot people for trying to escape into West, West, West Berlin uh, so that um, they could be free. Um, this, there's nothing good about a wall. We should accept people that want to be free. That's what I say. But anyway, so I came back to the United States. There you go. I was going to be, I was going to go to Vietnam this time because they were ahead of TDY thing. And, and so naturally I was a sergeant already. I'd gotten my GED and, and I had excelled in the Air Force. I got it promoted as far as I could go. And what happened? Nope, we're not sending any sergeants to Vietnam. <laughs> okay, great. So, so I still have that, uh, that I should have been there, uh, guilt. But um, 
then I got out and I went into civilian police work. Now, in the meantime, of course, uh, I, I have I have two daughters now, and I have a wife, and and uh, and um, and things don't always go the way they, you want them to go, but uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. And um, and so I go into police work, and I become a detective. Now, this but, is in St. Louis now. Yeah, you're Louis. back. You're out of the Air Force, and you're in St. Louis Metro. Yeah, St. Uh, yeah in, the, uh, in the munis out there. In the, uh, at that time, St. Louis County had a, they had 100, uh, I can't remember exactly, like 103 municipalities, and, and 81 of them had police departments and fire departments. So it was really a lot of duplication. But... Uh, Speaking of that, that's when I got involved with the fire department because I used to go down and talk to all the fire department people overnight. We'd have coffee. They don't really pay, play checkers, you know, they watch a lot of TV, <laughs> you know. Anyway, so I got to be uh, very friendly with the fire service. And also during that career, that time, I was going to St. Louis, uh, well, I went to Merrimack Community College and then St. Louis University, getting my master's degree. I was going to be a police, uh, I was going to be a, a good police chief. That's what I was going to be. And um, so I wrote this paper on arson. And everybody else was writing burglary and homicide and everything, but not me. I'm going I'm to be different. I'm going to write one on arson. Well, now, what I year did, are we talking? We're talking in the late 60s, early 60s, 70s, mid-70s? Yeah, yeah, early, well, yeah, in the early, early 70s. And so, yes. And so, naturally, as I write this, this paper, what happens? Do you, you know what happens? You become an expert in it. Yeah, well, that's what the department, <laughs> they, suddenly, suddenly they say, okay, well, you're arson guy. Well, I don't know anything about arson. So what I do is I go to St. Louis County and uh, bomb and arson. And I say, hey, would you teach me something about fire? And then they encourage me to go to, you know, all kinds of different things, which I do. But uh, I also, in the, during that period, uh, solve about a four point, I, I, I start work, working all the fires. And I solve a $4.2 million arson. And we arrest the guy, and he, he and subsequently pleads guilty. And um, so I get offered this job by this national fire investigation firm. Now, that's how some people from police work and fire service get into it, is they get offered a job, either mm-hmm. full, full-time or part-time. Well, they wanted full-time people at that time. And, uh, and I said, no, I'm going to be a fire chief. I'm fire chief, a police chief. I'm going to be a, a police chief. You know, I'll work with the fire service, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be an arson guy, but I'll be a police chief. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, uh, let's say a political thing happened, uh, an arrest was made that I made because uh, I was uh, I was heading to detectives at the time, and, and I thought it was bulletproof, and I wasn't. And <laughs> so... So politically, I wasn't going to go anywhere further in, in police work. So um, what I did is I called them up three years after they offered me the job, and they said, yes, we will give you a job, but you have to move to Kansas City. Ah, So I had to drag, I had to, I, I had gotten divorced, so I had to turn over a new leaf and go to Kansas City and bring my teenage daughter, who was not happy. To go to Kansas City, by the way, <laughs> were they? Teenagers no. typically are not. 
No, no. And uh, anyway, came out to Kansas City and um, and and started working for that. Worked it up to I had five people. I worked in opened an office. I got five people. Um, I mean, it, I had that big a volume. It was me. I was doing all the marketing and and I was doing all the fires. And people call the person. They don't call the company generally. They call the person. Now it's changed. Now they have so, big box stores. So. Go ahead. That has, but let let's put a let's put a pinpoint on that. That is something to know about this. Is now you are you were already building a reputation. Now you're in in private work. You're doing a specialty origin and cause. Uh, actually, uh, back then, full boat as we called them investigations where. An insurance company would hire you, Mike Schlappman, and they wanted you to go out and determine the cause of the fire. And then if it was a, let's just say it was a set fire, an incendiary fire, didn't it, didn't it come upon you to figure out who'd done it? Yeah, we would do the full investigation. We would actually do all the financials. We'd do all the interviews. We'd do um, uh uh, of course, the physical evidence was was there. Of course, but uh, we once we uh, a, a file was determined to be incendiary, a fire was. Um, then you know what happened? Who did it? If if they did, it wasn't the insured, and we all and we've cleared so many insureds from being involved in it. I mean, there was love hate revenge. There was uh, there was crime concealment. There was all kinds of different reasons that fire occur. And uh, and there are also a whole bunch of insureds that were setting fires to their offices, their businesses, their their uh, homes, um, and um, and trying to collect money for um, fraudulent claims. So yes, you make a, a a reputation for for being able to be a good detective in that area. Now they have SIU units, uh, special investigations units, uh, in the individual companies, uh, and. They do the follow-up, and the, and the fire investigator generally now is the one that determines the the first the origin of the fire and then the cause of the fire. Right, right. And so, so you're building this reputation, as and, and obviously you're doing a good job um, because we're talking what late '70s at this point that you became private from public. Yeah, I, I moved uh, from in 1979. I moved out to uh, to Kansas City in June of 1979, and then stayed with that that national firm um, for about three and a half years, and then split off. With six of us, jumped off and started a another comp- a company. And I wasn't the owner. Um, uh, there was another owner, and and, uh, and I stayed with them until um, that was like 1983 that uh, we jumped off. And then uh, in 1985, I started my own company. uh, And it was called Independent Insurance Investigations, Inc. And that was a, though they hated that because it had insurance in the title. But it was four eyes. And uh, anybody that knows me knows I have these nice thick glasses. So I thought it was uh, kind of a a twist on on <laughs> people would recognize me if it was four eyes. At any rate, um, and uh, so anyway, so then subsequently, so I've been in I've been been in a business. I've changed the name of it a couple of times, the corporations, uh, since 1985, and now we have Fire Consulting and Case Review International, 
and I wish I would have made that shorter, just made it Fire Consulting International. But um, it, the case review was for um, the attorneys, uh, district attorney's offices, uh, defense attorney's offices, uh, uh, insurance de- defense, uh, and um, for any consultation work that I've been doing since um let me tell you that it's not easy to be a, a fire investigator. Um, you have to study. And so I studied in college. But then the national firm sent me to like the Denver Fire Academy and Rutgers University. They don't do that anymore. They really need these national companies need to train their people. They're just sending them to local three-day seminars now, and, and they're not training them as, like they used to. Um, but uh, you really have to study. And, um, and NFPA 1033 um, and uh, NFPA 921, you have to know these. The, the, the standard, the 1033 is a standard and 921 is the guide, but you have to know beyond that. You know, Kirk's fire investigations, uh, uh, the latest one is by Dr. Eikhove. You have to know that. You have to know that um, there's a thing called the ignition handbook. You have to know that there's research being done all the time. And uh, Dr. Quintieri, uh, and, uh, you, have to, you have to know the science now. Before it was more of a, um, a detection thing, interviewing and stuff. But now the science is very, very ba- basic. It's always, been, it's always been science, really. It was just never recognized as much as it is now. We've always used a scientific method. We always have used physics. Fire burns up and out in a cone. Uh, there's buoyancy of flame and, and smoke. Um, we've always used these things, burn pattern analysis. It's just you don't have to be able to identify them now. And so from a kid that ended up getting a master's degree from St. Louis University um, and a kid that came from North St. Louis, uh, it was really difficult for, for that kid to, um, to understand the scientific part of it until he got into it. And, and when he got into it, that's, that's what happens. And that's what will happen to you if, you if you make this, if you like it, if, you, if it becomes a passion. Um, I train people now, and I train them because they have a passion to be in it. We just went, came back from New York City where we had 11 of our people, did a major fire investigation there, and that was training too. It was training. These guys would know how to do this stuff, but it, they were doing it. We had teams of investigators that did this, and we trained people that were with us. So anyway, um, what I think I want to, to tell people about getting into fire investigations is that you if you if you like to solve problems or puzzles and use all kinds of different variables to do so that's fire investigations for you that's that's a good thing to be in well let me go back okay so I'm calculating 33 years where you've essentially it's been more than that that you've been private but 33 years particularly that you've basically been on your own as president. I know you had a partner at one time, but you've been president and running a company that does just this, uh, fire investigations and some theft and surveillance. I know that was in the history too. But 
origin and cause and and what comes with that for the last 33 years. And when we talk about the science, um, I know that you practiced the science and you recognized and you're reading burn patterns, but the science itself has... It has the knowledge of the science itself has changed in your career, has it not? Yeah, well, yes, the knowledge. Yeah, the knowledge base has changed. Um, they used to teach myths of, uh, of different things. Like, well, there's a myth out there, um, um, you know, about burn patterns. It, it, it used to be that heavy, shiny, rolling char blisters were, meant it was an accelerated fire. Okay, it meant that it was a, a use a gasoline or something was used. That's not true. Uh, crazing of glass used to be an indicator they thought was uh, of um, of um, an incendiary fire. All well, these things have been disproven. The, not God did not change um, physics. What what changed was our knowledge, our background, um, our research. The research is what's changed. Uh, thanks mm-hmm. to um, uh, uh, Dr. Vito Braskis, Dr. Uh, there's uh, Dr. Dehan, Dr. Dr. Ikov, um, and many more. Dr. Balan. Uh, there's so many that that the researchers in our field, uh, people like uh, Dan Medrakowski from uh, used to be at NIST and now at uh, at UL. Uh, the type of burns that they do, the, the, the training, the um, monitoring uh, is, is making us a lot better. Along with the engineering people that, that come in after, um, you know, uh, Dr. <laughs> Dr. Bob Savori, who, which I was in China with, um, when he wrote uh, his paper on, on arc mapping and started the whole arc mapping thing, which has now become a, st- you have to arc map the scene. Um, I was lucky. If you to can, on, yeah. Yeah, yeah, if you can. Of course, yeah, on total burnouts and the collapses, it's, you can't do it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough in my career to meet a lot of these people. And I know we're going to talk in the second segment about uh, about the IAAI. You did tip me off on, on how that mm-hmm. worked. But, um, um, yeah, so... From, for a kid from North St. Louis, I have been all over the world teaching, learning, and teaching. And, uh, and you can do this if you want to get into fire investigations. You just have to find a proper uh, method how to get into it, either through the fire or police, or you can, or you can get into it uh, uh, in the private sector. Uh, you can go through... Um, the colleges, uh, Eastern Kentucky University has a has a, a fire investigation program. Uh, Greg Gorbett, uh, who's written a, a book on uh, fire dynamics, um, I'm giving people plugs because uh, they deserve it. Dr. Ico's and and uh, and Gerald Haynes' book on Kirk's Eight is out now. Um, you have to know these things if you're going to be a fire investigator. Well, and I think, and I want to note, and we're going to take a break here in a couple of minutes, um, that, yes, our knowledge of the science has changed, but so have the products out there. Um, During my career, during your career, we've witnessed uh, things become more petroleum-based. So where you used to have a cotton-stuffed chair, you now have a foam-stuffed chair that contains petroleum products. So it does... The, the science 
has changed, not as science, but the way things are burning because of the materials and the the fuel loads and and the fuel packages within a building. So it's been, and, and I appreciate the fact that I used to know what, you know, crazing of glass and spalling of concrete, even we were taught a certain thing and that is no longer true. However, I enjoy having that history, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and spalling is, is, uh, is caused by a bunch of different things, but it can also be caused by a night of a liquid. People, uh, uh, people used to think that if you saw spalling, that was all, all, that's what it meant. It meant uh, spalling concrete is the concrete breaks up uh, in, in, uh, on the, well, you can do that with, uh, with burning some wood on it, but you can also do it with even uh, uh, salt. You can do that or even direct, uh, you park your car in the same place all the time. The exhaust is hitting the concrete floor and now you've got a little spalled place, right? So it wasn't, a, if it's in a pattern and it's running from one door to the other and, and uh, you're going to get an ignitable hit, uh, liquid hit, it is also, uh, it can be uh, caused by an ignitable liquid. But um, yeah. Let's and, uh, also, uh, let's, uh, since we are teachers, Let's clarify, spalling is not spalding, it's falling. Yes. <laughs> Spalding's a basketball or something. And nor yeah. is a house engulfed with fire, it's engulfed. <laughs> that's right. Let's, yeah, yeah that's common things we see in the street. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to me, and we can talk about the semantics and, and things of that nature, uh, and, we, yeah, and let's do that when we come back, yeah. and I think, yeah. I think we'll talk about even, like, how heavy is fire? Let's well, let's go that. ahead and take our break now, um, and, and then when we come back, we'll talk about the IAAI and, and more of the science. Okay. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact fireanalysis.net. That's fireanalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlappen and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Mike, we, before the break, we were talking about your career path and your background and then the, the importance of, of always learning and how science and knowledge of science, uh, not science itself, but the knowledge of science has changed. And this segment, we've got about 25 minutes. We want to talk about what these fire investigators out there need to be doing and, uh, again, get your experience and your knowledge out here. Okay. Well, uh, I think it's not all, it's, it's very important to, first of all, you got to know what you're doing when, when you're at a fire scene. You have to be able to read, uh, be able to interpret the fire patterns. Uh, there used to be a thing that uh, lit language of fire was a series uh, that was out, and um, and I had an investigator work with me for 25 years, now retired, Larry Stimmerman, who used to say he used to sit there in the in the scene and let the uh, the scene talk to him. Well, that's that was a euphemism about he was he was taking in and looking at all the variables at a fire scene. What we have to do is we have to learn uh, about how what is normal fire behavior, and then what's abnormal fire behavior. Uh, there's some, like physics doesn't change, so fire moves up and out, it moves it moves in the direction of it, it can, uh, of, of oxygen, it needs oxygen, it uh, very, uh, ventilation controlled fires or, or fuel package controlled fires. You have to know what these are, and the only way you can know that is to start, is to start studying. Well, What's changed? What's changed is the research, and, um, and, and so you have to know where to look. And one of the, one of the ways you learn how, where to look is not only, going, not only going to college or going to the National Fire Academy or researching. You could, I mean, the Internet is a, is a wonderful tool. You can't believe everything that's on it, though, folks. Okay. You have to go to authoritative texts like 921 and 1033 and and uh, Kirk's aid and and all these different texts uh, Vito's book on on uh, on, on uh, the in, in the ignition handbook and you have to read these things so um, the research changed that the research has changed there's far more research and there's far more information out there for you but you also have to you have to be able to work fires with good experienced investigators. And the only way you can do that is work a lot of fires. And, um, and let me tell you, and, and, and join the organizations that can contribute to your career. The major organization, uh, the global leader in fire investigations is the International Association of Arson Investigators. Now, I'm not only, I'm not only saying that because I'm a past president of that, I'm saying that because that is the major training device for free, <laughs> even, um, through the CFITrainer.net um, 
Kirk Hankins, who's a past president of the International, who works with me, uh, is this, on the steering committee of CFITrainer.net. And uh, they are the ones that develop the modules that you can get for free by signing up. You have to be associated with fire investigations by signing up. And you can even do it at your fire department or the police department or, or the students can do it at the college. And take these modules, okay? Uh, I got involved with the IAAI at the, at the chapter level, in, first in Missouri, um, and became a direct a director by let me tell you how you become a director okay this is this is an interesting thing leaders are those that show up at the at the seminars right and then they do something they get on committees they start working um, they they do the job okay and they and and ultimately it, when you're recognized what happens is the your peer group recognizes you and then they elect you to the next office so you go from to, like from everyday guy to director to second vice president to first vice president to president and i was on the i was in i was on the board in missouri um, and then moved to kansas and got on the uh, board in Kansas, uh, and then ultimately became the president of the Kansas chapter. Uh, and I started going to the international uh, conferences. Back in 1990, I started going to the international conferences. And week-long, great training, latest research, um, I, I was lucky. And, and then I started I started making waves a little bit. I started saying, why do we do it this way? Why don't we do it that way? Um, how come this? How come that? Um, and then uh, squeaky wheel gets to grease. Uh, so I got <laughs> I got on some committees and then uh, started working and uh, eventually uh, was elected to the international board. And by the way, it was kind of Great. I mean, in a way, I, I was. It was in St. Louis that I got elected. I mean, I got. I know. I got. I got elected as as a as a director in St. Louis for the first time in 1996, and then uh, and then in Milwaukee, I got elected as the second vice president. Uh, thank you, Milwaukee. Appreciate you <laughs> and uh, the Wisconsin chapter, and um, and then. Um, and then moved my way up to chairs, and now I'm a past president. I'm still working uh, with the international uh, teaching, uh, uh, teaching the expert witness testimony course uh, all over the country, and training the expert witness uh, facilitators for the chapters. And so, but so, how do you do it? You just you just do it by doing it. You have to make the time. You have to be dedicated to it. And you have to, and you have to um, be willing to um, sacrifice uh, some of your leisure time uh, to do things. By the way, I've been lucky enough to travel all over the world, actually, with the international. Uh, I made thirty trips when I was uh, the the president, um, but. Places nobody had went, like uh, uh, Vermont and North Dakota, and places uh, chapters that hadn't been visited by the by the president. Um, uh, you know, I went to Ohio um, 
a couple of times. I went to Florida. I went to California. I uh, got to know all the people that uh, that were the movers and shakers. Uh, and we've had a lot of them on this show. You might yeah. you might say something about that, Donna, about some of the archive stuff that we have. Yeah, and anyone can go online. Just go through uh, either our site, Speaking of Fire, that's all one word, dot com, or go to Voice America and and search for Speaking of Fire show, and then you can go in the archives and look at all the past shows. And we have. We've had Dr. Ico, We've had Dr. DeHaan. Uh, we've spoken with International. We've talked to Dr. P- Peter Mansey. In London, we've uh, spoken with people from the Fire Administration, NFPA, uh, ATF. We've talked about people coming out of public into private. And, and of course, we've talked fire science and commercial kitchen fires. I mean, it's all there. We've, we've discussed a lot of aspects and, and of what's going on. And then we've spoken to some insurance industry experts, claims analysts. Um, so we've, we've covered a lot of territory. And that's why we have Mike on today, because it, the whole reason this show exists is basically because of him, because of you, and you knowing and networked. I mean, this is, this is proof positive of the network that's been formed around one person taking the initiative and making himself an expert in this. And and then staying in your own lane. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. Because I think that's where investigators get caught up is when they go out of their own lane. What have you got to say about that? Okay. Well, I'm going to say a couple. It's going to be controversial, so, um, so we might as well put it right out there. Engineers are not fire investigators, okay? But fire investigators are not engineers. Right. Therefore, therefore you cannot practice if you're not if you're not a professional engineer don't practice as one <laughs> you can determine you can understand whether or not this this particular circuit was arced because of the fire or started the fire you don't have to be an engineer to do that okay you might want to be an you'd have to be an engineer to 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 um, to exactly understand the entire uh, schematic of the of the entire building or something or how it was put together. But let's talk about that. Let's stay in your lane. You're not an electrical engineer. You're not a mechanical engineer. Okay. You're not a chemist. Okay. So um, you know, in the old days, we used to grab a handful of debris, stick it up to our nose, and say, "Hey." Well, oh, you smell this, you know, well, it smells like gasoline, me. Uh, I mean, that was just sucking in all these nice, nice uh, carcinogens and things of that nature. We don't do that anymore. We and got you a became smart. a member of the Black Booger Society that way, too. Oh, always. You're always a member <laughs> of that because carbon is everywhere. <laughs> so anyways, you're right, the Black Booger Society. Okay, but then we, and, and okay, so you have to have a background in, well, 1033, has added, uh, now there's 16 things you have to have training on in excess of uh, uh, high school, uh, secondary education, and you must stay current in those topics. One of them is electrical, electrical things, and alarm systems, and thermometry, and then, oh, it's scary, ooh, thermometry, what's that mean? Oh, that's the measurement of, of heat, <laughs> temperature, 
why that's not really too scary, is it? Um, so anyway, but uh, and fire dynamics, uh, how fires start, spread, and develop. That's what NIST, that's the simple thing, right? All we have to do is we have to study. That's, that's really it. And staying in your lane is exactly right. Don't, don't practice as anything you're not. Every time I have an engineer in my expert witness class, I have him for a diard. And that means particularly questioned about his training and experience. And each time we take a vote at the end of that as to whether or not he could testify as an origin and cause person. And every time he's not. You don't have engineers that have the training and experience that origin and cause people have, and you don't have origin and cause people that have training that engineers have. Stay in your lane. Let's clarify that. When we say that, now that doesn't mean all of us wear hats. Uh, Mike, you own a business, so you're a business owner. You You have more than layman's general knowledge of how to own a business, and um, maybe someone has, you know, adjusters. There are adjusters out there that can take a look at a fire. They've seen enough of them, and they have a general idea. When we say stay in our lane, we're talking about, we'll put it simple, what your one seat in the witness box, which is right. just you in a witness box, can testify to. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the things that you can render an opinion on. That's where you need to stay. That doesn't mean you don't know anything about anything else. That doesn't mean that you don't have some some extensive skills. It's what are you trained to do and you can testify to. Would that be a good way to put that? Absolutely. And that in fact that's a great summation of what I just said. And and I do appreciate that. Um, the other thing is, and, and Donna, you're, this, I know you, you teach this, you have to be able to articulate that. You have to be able to say that. You have to be able to write that. Fire mm-hmm. reports throughout this country are abysmal. They're terrible. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're not sufficient. They don't meet any, um, any real guides and, and, and ASTM standards. Uh, uh, they're ASTM standards. ASTM standards on, on, on reporting expert uh, opinions. You, the Rule 26 letters uh, for uh, federal rules for federal courts, um, you have to be able to articulate your opinions and then support them, okay? You, fire investigations, um, that's, what I'm, that's what's wrong with these, that's wrong with these uh, big companies, or one of the th- reasons it's wrong with them, is they're selling their services on, on basic rates, just flat rates. Then they're, they're writing inappropriate and not, uh, not specific um, reports. And they're always, they're always writing summaries. And frankly, um, I do a lot of peer reviews on, on reports, as you know, uh, Donna, the, and, and they pay me to do that. And the reason they pay me to do that is because I see everything that's, that's wrong with them now. And the only reason I see everything that's wrong with them now is I have studied this, to how to articulate that. We vet investigators for major um, carriers, okay? We vet them to make sure that they're qualified to get on their approved list. Let's use a, a small example, uh, just uh, just for the audience to understand that. Um, okay, 
we're learning uh, in 921, it's, it's, it's a topic. It's been a topic for years. There's different aspects. It comes into a legal setting. Now, this is why these are the topics. It comes into a legal setting. Uh, we're going to call a fire undetermined because we can't eliminate something. Now, we may, in our same thing, the sustain in the lane, we may pretty well know it's a piece of equipment but we can't eliminate other things or we can't prove it. So we have to call it undetermined. In the climate and in the legal world, you, when you call something undetermined, you cannot then say it's more than likely this. It's either undetermined or it's this. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about that, how we delineate and how we, it's, it needs to be that particular. Well, it has to be precise. So what I, what we should do is this is where the this is the role of the engineers. If you if you believe you've narrowed this down to these three things sitting on this shelf, and you don't know which one, I mean, we know the fire started right there. Then let's bring in the engineers. Let's let's uh, notify everybody uh, that uh, these products, whoever they are. Bring them in. Let them look at the scene while while it's still there. You got to protect that scene. Then then take it to a laboratory and X-ray it, uh, melt it, melt the circuits out of it. Whatever you have to do, do a, a, a scanning electron microscope. Whatever you have to do to determine what happens. Now uh, now, if there's two equally two things that are both possible and they're equally possible and not just probable, then that has to be called undetermined. If you cannot eliminate something, uh, then it has to be called undetermined. Can and you going say, even further in that is, let's say that, that particular item, there's where there's a difference between origin and cause because I think new investigators out there, uh, even some of the older investigators out there, Think of that as one and the same. There's origin, and the origin is at this. The, determining the cause is probably in that situation, not in your area of expertise, correct? Yeah, in many cases, and, and some of them are, are, are flat out, yes, you can, uh, such as, uh, the, you know, you're standing in a, a puddles of gasoline and, and right. <laughs> uh, things of that nature. Yeah, but, uh, but no, but when it comes down... But a malfunction of a piece of equipment... You yeah, cannot the, say why it and, and what caused it to malfunction. Yeah, the mech, the mechanism. It's sort of like the mechanism right. of death. All right, it's like the mechanism of death. You can say that they're dead, but you don't know exactly why. You see, that's and 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 t- part of that is is experience, but it's also uh, bringing in the right people to look at the at the at the cause causation. Um, and and to be able to articulate that onto a piece of paper, I see, I see, uh, I see all the time that people are talking about heavy heavy damage, uh, heavy fire damage. How heavy is fire? Heavy fire spread out of this. No, it didn't. Fire is uh, fire. How heavy is fire? The, <laughs> Randy Watson, who's his chair of the the. Uh, 921 committee uh, says, how heavy is fire? Yeah, I, I, I agree with him 100%. It's not heavy fire. It's either there was minor damage, moderate damage, or severe damage, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not heavy. 
isn't that light? It's one of those three things I just gave you. See, so I guess you could say light damage. Then how light is it? I mean, it's it's um, it's, it's <laughs> minor, moderate, or severe, right? And well, so, and 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 there you are. Go ahead. And also, and, and let everyone know that because you turn in your report, you say it's undetermined. When you say undetermined, say in your head, pending further information. Now, there may you may never get more information, but in your head, say that because there's a there's a guy that teaches fire science um, in the Midwest that, uh, and I I would love to name him, but I'm not going to. Um, that actually will stand up in front of his students and say, um, you know, I I always have a call. Well, no. <laughs> that's not true. You don't always know and can't always say this is exactly what happened. So anybody that says that, that's not true, one. Two, when you say in your head undetermined pending further information, whether it be engineers, whether it be um, whatever information you may need that you don't have at that time, it's okay to say that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, in my company, we always put that we actually write it. We'll say it's the cause of the cause of the fire is undetermined. We'll say that this is the area of origin, which delineate that. But then the cause of the fire is undetermined. And then I and we put it in quotes and then uh, pending further information. And it, and also many of the companies throughout the country say that we have they put a little disclaimer on the bottom saying if further information is is developed, we have a. Uh, we would we, we can change our opinion uh, utilizing that information. So right. yeah, things come up later, like confessions. <laughs> right, and I, exactly, and that's where we need to keep our egos out of this. Uh, we need to keep our confidence level high, um, and we need to keep our egos out. So it's a balance, just like. Uh, just like fire investigation being a science and an art, it's a balance of uh, examining things and reading things and using science uh, always and, and physical evidence. We always need to, and that's staying in your lane. You have to know what your instructions are, what your lane is, stay in it, and balance things and keep your ego out of it. Right, it's, and it's difficult to... Some people have more problems with that than others. You're right about uh, you know no fire investigator that's 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 worthy says he made a determination on every fire. That could not happen because there are the we call them the black holes of Calcutta. There's this total thing that is burned out in a rural area for three days. Uh, the fire department, if they were notified at all, showed up and protected the exposures, which means you know the grass or or a, or a barn or something, and they let it burn. Now, um, sometimes you can you can find indicators. Sometimes you can find uh, um, things that are actually um, you find witnesses. You can find people confess all kinds of different things where you might be able to determine that eventually. But right there, standing there in this black hole, you might not get it. Um, you have to dig it out. You have to figure it out. Uh, what you can do, you just can't just drive away from it. That's what's really wrong. What's happening with these flat rate uh, fire investigations? What they're doing is they're either going up and they're not doing anything and calling it undetermined, or they're they're saying, oh, well, we need uh, two or three different uh, 
engineers to come in and tell us what happened. And then they're there for the full price the next day. That That's wrong. It's, it's not ethically correct. Remember, if you're a member of the International Association of Arson Investigators, or if you're a fire investigator at all, your whole... The whole thing should be based on I am a truth seeker, not a case maker. I'm a truth seeker, not a case maker. It's on our challenge coins. Uh, it's part of our code of ethics. So don't say that your client never did anything wrong just because you're, you're, you're uh, employed by that uh, manufacturer. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for all of this today, and I want to go ahead and give a plug. And uh, for many of you out there, he teaches a lot of classes. Um, He does that on the private side, too, for a minimal fee. Uh, He will fly around, and uh, a lot of us in in his company will. You can contact us at info at fcifire.com if you're interested in any educational-type classes and so forth, uh, report writing, uh, general investigations, explosions. And, Mike, we want to say thank you to you for what you're doing and what you have done for all these years. And uh, I'm really glad that we had you you as our guest today. Thank uh, you. To talk about your knowledge. And uh, you're one of the pillars in this industry, just like uh, just like the other people we've had on our show. Well, I thank you for that. And I also do public speaking. And I want to get out and see some uh, some civilian groups so we can do things like you know smoke detector and, and sprinklers, putting, you know, stuff. Get them in your houses. The sprinklers are now affordable. So, and uh, thank you for having me, having me on my show. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Donna. You did well, and uh, thank you everybody that was listening to this. And uh, please come back, and when you come back, come back to speaking of fire. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.